0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Oh my God. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho? What is your palate favorite? And you drop that
0: kokanee on top of that Barn Door Halibut's head. 67 feet of water, and he was not happy
2: about that. Well, I don't know, what do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm gonna have to go with a, a European cut speedo. Fantastic, excellent choice. I yeah. love tuna, I do love tuna. Heck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. Obviously <laughs> he's not cooking
3: them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he clearly, right? Oh, ocean snook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know, Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life.
0: Mm -hmm. And you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are some days are
2: just a grind. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here is your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Hello and welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, Wayne England, and yes, absolutely, Tommy Donlan. You are I back. am back. How <laughs> about back. That. We are back. <laughs> it's, man, we've been on hiatus here for a bit, out of studio, putting out content of uh, some previously recorded uh, on-the-water stuff mm-hmm. that folks have been able to enjoy. But, it's, I mean, nonetheless, it's good content. That's what we do, right? Yeah, so absolutely. But it's, it's good to see your uh, smiley face back here in studio. We are live this evening from the Fish on Northwest studio located here at uh, Summit Lake. So, appreciate everybody tuning in to join us. Tons of content to get through tonight, Tommy. Yeah, we're gonna be loaded. We're going to be hard-pressed to get in here within an hour or so. I want to welcome everybody here on Root Sports. Uh, if it's your first time jumping on, uh, do us a favor, jump on over to our webpage, com. There you're going to find a lot of good content, our online store with our even some new swag here, mm-hmm. Thomas. And of course, the FHN20 coupon, the t- coupon code uh, teamed up with Edgerods, FHN20 at checkout. You're going to get all Edge Rods 20% off all the time through us and Edge Rods. Make sure you visit their webpage, click on the coupon, it's going to take you right there. So uh with that tommy like i mentioned we got a lot of stuff to get through this evening and uh we uh just getting back in studio trying to get you know everything up Mm -hmm. and running here uh but Mm -hmm. uh lots of content obviously um and as i mentioned i hope folks were enjoying our on the water stuff because we had some squid stuff we put out there and um what else did we see Said some coho fishing um, I'm going to try to get out this next week, create some crab crab stuff. Yeah, but, uh, and crabbing
0: yeah. is good right now. Crabbing is good.
2: We're going to get into that a little bit, too. Hey, before we get too far along, i got to remind everybody, we still have a couple weeks, and we have a couple spots open on our group hunt with yes. Shelby Ross, Ross Outdoor Adventures. Uh, jump on uh, to our Facebook page. You're going to see all the information. Or give Shelby a call, 509-750-7763. Talk to Shelby personally, you're gonna sign up for our two-day duck and goose hunt, December 12th, arrival, hunting the 13th on ducks and the 14th on geese. It's a two-day hunt, two nights lodging, dinner included, both nights, $3.75 per day, smoking deal, couple spots left, it's filling up relatively quickly. So if you're interested in joining us over there at Potholes Reservoir area, Mardon, with the duck, duck taxi and Shelby Ross, Give Shelby a call and uh, get signed up. Like I said, we've got a few spots available.
0: And that action is fast and furious, let me and, tell you. And it's a good time. It is. And
2: uh, your day experience in the duck blind will be second to none with that operation they got going on over there. So uh, with that, I guess we better get right to it. Running down the show, lots to get through, as we've mentioned here. Brian Lynn, no stranger to the studio, uh, vice president marketing and communications with Sportsmen's Alliance. We have so much information to get through with Brian, uh, Tommy. He'll be on with us for two segments tonight. Um, who are these groups that are coming after WDFW, the commission, and uh, how dangerous is their agenda? We're going we're gonna to put that all out there. You and I have talked a little bit about this in the past. Brian's going to really tell you what's mm. going on, not only here in Washington State, but on a national level. So pay attention. Uh, we're going to catch you up on some uh, closures and some opportunities that are still out there. Then we're going to really start drilling down on some some hard knocks here tommy wdfw coastal steelhead virtual town hall three uh what did we get or not guaranteed to make you mad to a point a um, little bit disappointing couple glimmers of hope but mostly it's like a pinata filled with carrots jordan big piece of <laughs> disappointment all right um and then tommy and i got to walk you guys through a little history lesson on the commission <clears throat> excuse me the general makeup of what's going on there now and what the future holds as we have some seats coming available here at the end of the year. What's that look like? Who's vying for those positions? And how important is this? Well, we're gonna let you know. Then, of course, we'll close out the show, try to catch uh, everybody up on some of the stuff we've been out doing.
0: Yeah, right. It's, it's been a while since we've been in here together. It's been a while. Been two bulls and a handful of bucks and a handful <laughs> of crab and a handful of coho ago. Yes, yeah, yeah
2: <laughs> all of that. The freezers have been getting filled um, both on the ground and in the water. And it's been a pretty, uh, pretty good fall season for us here, oh, here yeah. in the Northwest. We've been out there enjoying creating content but more so you know harvesting when available and yeah we did all right in the hunting realm this year for sure mm-hmm. i think we filled every tag we had we did i haven't yeah. taken an opportunity to go uh fill my turkey tags i still got some fall time oh. to maybe try to do that yep. we'll see if i could pull that one off that would be a, a nice finish to uh the opportunity there appreciate everybody signing up here uh, tonight jumping on lots of you guys saying hi and uh yep kyle and jeff looking forward to getting over there on the hunt um again grab your friends tell them to join us we've got a lot of great content to get through this evening and uh doesn't do any good for tommy and i just sit here and talk about it so uh want you all to weigh in and listen up and uh share the content invite people on to the platform here because we got some information to get to we're going to jump out for a quick break when we come back brian lynn vice president of marketing of communications and sportsmen's alliance will join us via the zoom right here when we get back Fish on northwest Defiance Marine is the one-stop shop for the Pacific Northwest Angler. Defiance Marine guarantees the best price on a new and best service on a repower for your current boat. Defiance Marine is a Honda Premier dealership and one of the largest on the West Coast. Defiance Marine is a boat dealer who proudly sells Defiance Allied and Arima Boats. All boats are built by West Coast Fishermen for West Coast Fishermen. Defiance Marine has all your boating needs to help you get out on the water.
1: If you're looking for the best fishing rods in the world, you really do need to take a look at the edge rods. I designed and built new machinery, and I think this new machinery has enabled us to build blanks like no other company can build without this equipment. There is no other rods in the world that are as good as these rods. You owe it to yourself to take a good look at them.
2: Alright, welcome back to the show here, Fish on Northwest, winning England, Tommy Donlin. and Tommy, you and I have kind of had a conversation previously about some of these outside groups, organized, financed mm-hmm. groups, both in-state and out-of-state, that are really starting to weigh carnage on the efforts of WDFW and the Commission to do their job and manage our, our you know, fishing and hunting in the future. Yeah, and it's getting pretty damn serious.
0: That's right. They're trying to manage the managers.
2: They're trying to manage the right. managers, and one person that has his head buried deep into this stuff and does it uh, day in and day out in his line of work, here in Washington and of course across the nation. Brian Lynn, Vice President of Marketing and Communications at Sportsmen's Alliance. Uh, welcome back to the show, buddy. It's been a bit, but I'm glad to have you back on. Yeah, thank you. Great to be on. Absolutely. So. Let's just jump right into a recent article that I read that uh, got me uh, motivated to give you a call again and get caught up, but the headline read, in Washington state, hunters may no longer be necessary to manage wildlife, and it went on to say, uh, recognize there's a group that has recently serviced here, Washington Wildlife First, this organization's mission is transforming the WDFW model from consumptive use to one that prioritizes preservation uh, of the natural ecosystem. Tell everybody exactly what this means and how dangerous this is moving forward.
3: Yeah, this is this is as dangerous as it gets. Uh, these guys, Washington Wildlife First, which is an offshoot and supported by all the big names. But, you know, Humane Society of the United States, Center for Biological Diversity, uh, you know, Defenders of Wildlife is in there. Big money, big, big influence. And there's also a group out of New Mexico called... Uh, wildlife for all and that's kind of where they're taking this it's an offshoot from them and all of this is about removing hunters from the wildlife management model that we use that's worked for a 100 years they want to remove hunters and protect your predators which then they think will control the ungulate populations perfectly like a disney movie or something yeah they they're not you know there's a lot of things wrong with the model uh not the least of which is funding and how they are going to fund it but this is a movement that they have brought to washington they're trying to take it national but it, they have success here in washington given our game commission and that five out of the nine right now uh agree with them they're, they're part of this movement and this belief system and so they're advancing their agendas, and you can see it if you've ever watched a commission meeting of how they're muddying the waters and and trying to reduce predator management across the board.
0: Brian, we're going to dive into that commission makeup and composition a little bit later, uh, and how that dynamic is working or really not working out. But you know, one of the big fears um, that sportsmen have, and rightfully so, is that this group. Washington wildlife first has been bending the ear or getting some special time with our commission. Is there any truth to that?
3: Uh, I, I don't know if they're getting special time or have their ear, the members of the commission uh, believe in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they point blank said there's some of us on this commission who never will agree with bear hunting. And who think predators should be protected? They've mm-hmm. said it openly on the record, so it's not a matter of getting special treatment. It's the commission, the majority of the commission now, believes in this line of reasoning, and so they and they have the ear of Inslee. Barbara Baker stated in a mission in a commission meeting that she was responsible and worked with the governor to make sure no shill groups i.e hunting and fishing groups had a commissioner that was appointed this last go-around
2: mm. interesting mm. you know one of the uh, excerpts from that article i read that uh, had you quoted numerous times i kind of got the ball rolling here uh... as we delve into this and in this next segment too as we go a little deeper on this uh... gathering they had in spokane here recently towards the first of uh, november uh... the washington wildlife first uh... to the commission uh... they want them to emphasize the intrinsic value of individual animals a healthy ecosystem uh... that is reliant uh... this reliant uh... realignment excuse me would de-emphasize hunting as a wildlife management tool and devote more agency resources to non-hunted and fish species you kind of mentioned that but the handwriting is on the wall. I mean, their goal is to basically, as you stated, utilize predation, which is, I mean, currently in the Washington state out of control. They just want to expound on that even more and do away with, uh, you know, when you lessen the herds, you handcuff WDW's opportunity and ability to give uh, permits for hunting or tags for hunting. So once the animals are gone, we're no longer needed
3: yeah and once the animals are gone and or at such a level that it can't sustain hunting because we hunt the surplus right the mm-hmm. biological surplus right once you lose that biological surplus and you're at just a you know standard level you know that is just sustainable not growing is sustainable they have to remove those tags you remove the tags you remove the funding right. that comes in from hunters
2: right and so
3: now you've broken the model
2: yeah yeah, it's an excellent point. It really comes down to if you're not selling and people aren't buying, thereby goes the funding and thereby goes hunting as we know it. All right, uh, stand by, Brian. We're going to jump out for a couple minute break. We have more to dig into uh, a little deeper here on this thing as we peel back the layers and that uh, gathering I was speaking of just before the break here. So don't go anywhere. Stick around, couple minute break. We'll be back with Brian Lynn right after this short break, right here, Fish on Northwest. Allied the new leader in heavy gauge aluminum boats. Allied boats have standard reverse china and lifting rakes to help you plane faster and run at lower RPMs. Allied boats have several models to choose from, ranging from a 19-foot Mustang all the way up to a 32-foot Liberator. So regardless of what type of heavy gauge aluminum boats you are looking for, Allied boats will have it for you. Contact Allied Boats today to learn more about these incredible fishing machines.
1: Hi, this is Joe and Megan from Archery World. Uh, We have four store locations. We are at the Lacey location right now. I just wanna highlight some of our camping gear. We have uh, Mystery Ranch packs, we have crispy boots, we have six hour optics, we carry Havalon knives, we carry Garmin products as well. So uh, it's not just archery, we wanna try to make this one-stop shopping for you guys. And so if you need it and it puts you in the outdoors, we probably have it, so come down and see us.
2: Welcome back to the show, to England. <coughs> Tommy Donlin and guest, Brian Lynn, Pre- Vice President of Marketing and Communications at Sportsmen's Alliance. Uh, Brian, you had kind of mentioned in the first segment there, uh, Wildlife for All out of uh, New Mexico, a national group working with Washington Wildlife First. Recently, the Washington Wildlife First uh, group attended a week-long annual conference Hosted by the Wildlife Society, uh, this gets complex and confusing. There's a whole lot of wildlife involved here, but uh, there was a panel discussion titled "Transforming State Wildlife Management to Be More Ecological-Focused, Democratic, and Compassionate." The panel was moderated by Kevin Bixby, the head of Wildlife for All. You attended this conference over there and actually, you know, really, really got a glimpse of what's going on. How dangerous is this group and in, in their agenda and where they're going?
3: Uh, yeah. Uh, like I said, very dangerous. Like these guys are promoting something that when you sit and listen to it, if you're a non hunter, it sounds logical, you know, it sounds reasonable. Mm, that is scary. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not, and everything they brought up, you know, they pointed what was wrong with our model. Oh, this is what's wrong. This is what's wrong. But then they, their answers, they didn't have a better answer. They yeah. think they did. And, you know, we talked about funding and somebody asked them this question. They they talked at us for a good hour 15, you know, I like gave about 10 minutes for questions. So like three questions got answered. Um, and somebody asked them about the funding model and they kind of went around and around and their answer was basically increased funding from the general fund. Like that's going to happen. Like, you know, <laughs> Doesn't like work we don't have way. enough issues in this state with homelessness, mental right. health, drug right. addiction, crime. Right. Like r- Republicans and Democrats in all fifty states are going to join hands and devote millions of dollars to a, you know, the three-toed pink salamander in some basin. Right. You know, when there's homeless encampments. Right. You know, so it's just not going to happen. I mean, we have to protect the the funding we have now from getting raided by the general funds in states. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like they're just going to willingly give us this funding. Then their answer was Recovering America's Wildlife Act, which has issues with it, you know, in, of diluting the Pittman Robertson dollars. Mm-hmm. And that was basically their answer. And they don't, we didn't get to ask a lot of hard questions because we ran out of time. Um, but everything they said was wrong with us now, they didn't have a, a better answer for it. And what they did was hypocrisy. Uh, they used very little science. The one gal, uh, Harriet, who used to be the head of the endangered species here in Washington, which, you know, like woodland caribou went ex- was extirpated under her watch in favor of wolves, and a biologist asked her about that. Mm. Uh, you know, she tried to make it seem like it was scientific by talking about biodiversity loss, but she conflated global bio- biodiversity loss with that of North America. And then she actually admitted... That the only place that bird species haven't been dropping has been in the wetlands, because of the immense amount of funding it gets, which is derived from hunting and from <laughs> the work of, of NGOs. Right. So it this it was literally like you know 1984. Mm. You know, he's sitting there, double speed. Two plus two is five. Yeah. This is how this works. And it was ironic that this all happened on the day, the very day that uh, New Jersey Governor uh, Phil Murphy rescinded his order of uh, banning bear hunting because it doesn't work right right everywhere this has been applied disease destruction debt and death have followed mm-hmm. and he finally figured it out when he has no longer has aspirations political aspirations he's turned out he finally figured out after throwing 10 million dollars at non-lethal means it doesn't work
2: it doesn't work mm-hmm. yep
0: you know it's um it's pretty obvious at this point that there's a lot of parallels between these organizations, Wildlife for All, um, and our commission, right, that they are pro-predator, anti-hunting. You know, we've seen an all-out attack on our spring bear hunt, um, you know, denying all of the facts and the data and the science that has been brought forth by a WDFW biologist, and it's very concerning. And, you know, it's clear they wanna stop any kind of predator hunting, regardless of the impacts on and deer populations and so you know completely changing the way WDFW manages predators completely changing the model changing, um, changing it in such a way that flies in the face of how most Western states manage game and it forces the situation to be constructed in such a way where you no longer rely on hunters to help manage wildlife in the state of Washington the question is what can we as as sportsmen and women do to address this? How do we get involved? How do we participate?
3: Yeah, it, it, it's tough because this is part of a bigger problem right now, and that, that's being Washington and, and the politics here that aren't hunter friendly. Starting with Jay Inslee, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he gets to appoint this, and there's really not a lot we can do uh, there. Can once they're confirmed by the Senate. But they can even, you know, they've, they've worked without being confirmed in the past for right. a year or more, mm-hmm. you know, so they don't even have to be confirmed. But Senate Democrats aren't going to stand up to Jay Inslee, you know, and we've had discussions with some and they're like, yeah, we're not doing anything right now to, to uh, push his buttons. So there's not a lot to do unless we can flip that dynamic, you know, in, in the Senate uh, committees that affirm these guys or until a new governor gets in there that is willing to be a part of this. And so it's that, again, political, being politically active and voting somebody in who, you know, uh, believes in the wildlife management and the model and who is friendly to us.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. right. We got to get in the ears of legislators. We got Mm. a session coming up here in 23 that's going to be very... uh, you know, tough to get through. So folks need to be in contact with their local uh, representatives and our state legislators. And uh, we got two more years with current uh, seated governor. So who knows where that's going to land, but uh, we're up against a break here, Brian, never enough time, way too much content to cover, but I always appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us here on the show.
3: Appreciate it, Dwayne. All right, I buddy. Have,
2: have, a- have a great evening. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Brian. See
3: you guys.
2: All right. Ryan Lynn, uh, wealth of knowledge and one that we appreciate, all the efforts that he's putting in there at Sportsman's Alliance across the nation and here at, here in, uh, in Washington. So, uh, with that, gonna jump out for a quick break. Uh, don't go anywhere, got more content, obviously, uh, spooled up here for you this evening. Quick break, we'll be back right here at Fish on Northwest.
0: Contract security service provides day-to-day peace of mind as they protect people and property. Here at Phoenix, we provide service for multiple state and federal contracts with services ranging from uniform, patrol, alarm monitoring, canine detection, executive protection, as well as investigative work. Recruiting highly qualified officers is the first step in building a strong team. If you are prior military or law enforcement, go to www.phoenixprotectivecorps.com and apply today.
1: New days, new beginnings, new friends, new loves. New dreams, new goals, new scenery, new job. No matter what the next chapter holds, Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate will be there to help you find the new that's right for your lifestyle at any stage of your life. Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate. Expect better.
2: All right, welcome back to the show here at Fish on Northwest. Tommy, a couple things to uh, make mention of before we get out of here. Hey, if you didn't know or hadn't uh, got the emails, Razor clam digs are put on hold once again due to domoic acid. acid. We had yeah. some great dates uh, scheduled here, although this week I don't think I'd want to be out there in the surf digging clams. No. It's a bit nippy. It's going to be a little about 28 degrees <laughs> yeah. here tonight. So uh, razor clams closed all beaches until further notice due to uh, acid levels. Yep,
0: yeah. we got another closure coming up too. As of today, yeah, Area 11 Schnook is closed. Done. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Yep, it's 97 retained, and that was only fishing four days a week. But you know what it was? It uh. was it was the Shaker City problem. We had too many sub legal encounters. The
2: old sub legal encounter comes yep. back to bite us every time. It does. That it is does. the number that ramps up exponentially, especially if we're using small small gear coho small killers gear. Yep. and really small yep. spoons. Gotta get up to those three point fives, fours. I mean go with the bigger spoon, bigger right. hoochies, plugs. right? Six inch hoochie plugs. Yep. Great alternative for those wintertime black mouse. So that's closed mm-hmm. now. Now we gotta wait till we roll into January. Uh, get on right. the other side of the year and, uh, we'll have some opportunity up there in area 10 and of course yeah. more towards spring. We look forward to that CQ opportunity. Yes. Hopefully big, we get a two time. fish limit again. I yeah. forgot to look at what that Hopefully is. Hopefully it goes
0: through the, uh, projected
2: season. Yes. yeah, you know, it yes. doesn't shut down early. But, uh, yeah. uh, you know, there is opportunity as far as winter crab, man. And it's good. You got oh, out. Oh man, I've been getting
0: out there with junior. Yeah. He's been loving it. I think. Nice size crab too. Oh, beautiful. Purple We've got a handful over eight inches. Oh yeah. I mean, just. Awesome. Crabbing, Very few soft crab.
2: Yes, crabbing yeah. is open in all areas, 1 through 12. Parts of 12, look in your regulations. Area 13 still mm-hmm. not open. Who knows if it will ever come back open. But uh, 1 through 12, some areas are, uh, well, specifically to gear. You mm-hmm. know, look at uh, your regs to know which area and the allowable or types of gear you can use. You can't mm-hmm. use traps in all areas right now. Some of them mm-hmm. are rings. Yep. Some of this, you know, even the Westport crab fishery, off the docks and whatnot is uh, doing doing fairly well. This winter crab, man, yeah. that's I like it more than summer crab just because it's better quality crab.
0: It is. Much it is. They're crab. full, hard shell.
2: They're big. Rating. You're starting yeah. to get uh, some of the washout too uh, out of some of our rivers with uh, the dying carcasses, and then those crabs that mm-hmm. congregate towards the mouth of these rivers yeah. that are flowing out into Puget Sound and they're feeding all those uh, mm-hmm. those carcasses. So, all righty, buddy, that's going to do it for us here, first half of the show on Root Sports. Appreciate everybody tuning in this evening and joining us Uh, lots more content to get through we have some great discussions ahead here relative to the steelhead closures and what we get and of course a breakdown of our commission so a lot more of that to come here second half of the show don't go anywhere we'll be back right after this break right here Fish on Northwest
1: Hi, we're Joe and Megan Malico, owners of Archery World up here in Lacey. We're a full pro shop, so we have a full pro service also. We have a huge indoor range. Uh, we carry 11 bow lines, all the major bow lines, and then there's subsidiary uh, companies too. Like If we carry Bowtech, we carry Diamond. If we carry Matthews, we carry Mission. When you come in, we're going to ask you, uh, you know, what kind of price point you're looking for. Um, you know, what's your hope? What's your goals? What's your bow, And with that information in mind, we'll point you in the direction of, uh, you know, that price point bows and then maybe give you, uh, the option to test higher, maybe a higher level bow just so you can compare. But, um, it really is all about. Uh, getting what it is that's gonna work for you. We don't upsell anyone. They shoot it, they like it, they don't like it, they don't get it. We don't we don't operate like that. So if you need it and you're it puts you in the outdoors, we probably have it. So come down and see us.
2: All right, welcome back here at Fish on Northwest. Winning with Tommy Donald coming to you from the studio and second half of the show here, buddy, we have quite a bit of information to yeah, get Yeah, there's a lot to cover here. So, I have for the most part been paying attention to those steelhead, those coastal steelhead virtual town halls yeah. online. A mm-hmm. um, couple of those nights we were doing the show and I had to watch it afterwards, but I watched it to make sure I was taking notes and paying attention. And as we, you know, rolled into the second meeting, some of the information James Losi provided, which, you know, I thanked him for because it was really good, good, really good stuff breaking mm-hmm. out the tributaries specifically. And then as we rolled into the third meeting, again, piñata filled with carrots, man. Big case of (laughs) disappointment, right? Um, Virtual Town Hall, too. Some of the numbers that they had put out was the mortality impacts, the 10% exploitation rate. The key number is 198. Like, Mm -hmm. we're going to manage this fishery and protect these wild steelhead in the Chehalis Basin. And really... The upper Chehalis watershed and some of the smaller tributaries up above in the upper watershed are where we're concerned about the wild steelhead numbers. And so, we feel comfortable uh, at an impact of 198 fish overall, and that's for the overall basin, right? right? So, 198 fish, that that was the key number.
0: Yep, it was. And uh, we're going to dig into that a little bit more here oh, yeah. in a couple minutes, mm-hmm. but it just resulted in some in some really disappointing seasons. <clears throat> and so, you know, starting off with the Willapa system, um, December 1st to March 31st, those are the dates. Um, and you've got obviously some some differences there for certain tributaries, so you got to look carefully. But selective gear rules. You know, no bait, no scent. Seen yep. that one before. Yep. And then they played the no fishing from a floating device card again uh-huh. um, for the Willapa system, and it wasn't the only system that had that card played. Um, Chehalis River as well. Even shorter season. Again, disappointing because we wanted to get those coho in late December. Right. But December 1st to December 16th. Yep. Um, also selective gear rules, mm-hmm. and again, no fishing from a floating device. Yes. Um, hump tulips, same program, December 1st to December 16th, no fishing from a floating device. And again, selective gear rules. And so, you know, you see this and you go, well, wait a second. If we've got, if we've got this impact of 198, why why can't we achieve that impact and then just stop fishing, right? That's the big question.
2: Yeah, that was the question of the day, I think. And uh, you know, that uh, that Chehalis component also includes the Satsup, up. And, mm-hmm. and, and as you mentioned, some of these rivers, we had agreed to fisheries for coho, hatchery coho, which these rivers do have a late run of hatchery coho, been fishing mm-hmm. on them for years, mm-hmm. hump tulips and Satsup up especially. Uh, we had agreements uh, to fish those until the 31st. Yeah. One fish from your boat or floating device, Right. right? right that's off the table can't do that anymore those rivers are only open through the 16th and we you know that's really that's so premature in opportunity on really the hatchery steelhead mm-hmm. we're fishing for coho right. especially in the sata you might bump yeah. one on the chehalis but let's face it we're fishing for coho mm-hmm. and that's what we get is uh two more weeks as of today uh, furthermore in that uh that information that came out the Quillayute system the upper Quillayute, or excuse me the upper Quinault, December 1st through March 31st. Now, we don't have an agreed-to fishery with the co-managers uh, on that or the Queets of Clearwater. The department, as far as recreational, is keeping mm-hmm. that closed. Um, the Quinault system, the tribes, they want to actually net 56 days, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and the state doesn't feel like there's enough uh, fish to to conduct that aggressive of a fishery. Um, the Queets Clearwater, they want to net 36 days. Again, they're not feeling there's enough fish or, you know, mm-hmm enough wild fish to intervene there, so uh, those remain closed to recreational angling until they can come to an agreement uh, as far as how to conduct the fishery. Um, The Quilead system, which includes uh, Solduck, Kalawa, Bogashiel, and uh, that one, a little bit of a reprieve, I guess, you can fish from your boats from certain markers on those rivers mm-hmm. you can um, that those fisheries will be conducted from March or from December 1st through March 31st selective gear rules again no send no bait mm-hmm. you know single point barbless single hook um, but you get to fish out of your boat in some of those stretches where previously like last year you could not the sole yeah. duck is not conducive to bank fishing especially if you have mm-hmm. moderate water events there's just no shoreline there to fish.
0: Right. You, you know and the, and, the, and the saddest thing is is that you've got Folks that were born and raised in the Pacific Northwest that have mm-hmm. taken part in, in these fisheries their entire life, and they be, maybe getting to the, to the twilight of their life,, yeah. where they just want to go a couple more times, yes. and, and the boat enables them to do that.. Yep. Um, Greg Haw uh, came up had a really good comment here, "No fishing from a boat violates the Americans with Disabilities Act." Yeah so and that was, yeah,
2: yeah that was pointed out last year. Yep. It was challenged, and I don't know where that landed, but Greg, you're absolutely right. Uh, that one has been brought up before, and mm-hmm. it's a valid point. Uh, and to your point, mister, uh, you are pre- precluding a certain uh, percentage of the population, mm-hmm. both uh, whether it's in their senior years or persons with disabilities or what have you, right? So mm-hmm. there is that. Um, the whole river, again, December 1st through the 31st of March, selective gear rules, no fishing from a floating device. Now that river is a little more conducive to finding gravel bars and fishing. Mm -hmm. But again, if you're a guide and your clients for the day are, or do not have the ability to get in and out of the boat and you can't even, and they can't cast. Mm -hmm. Now you can't even run plugs now. You can't even sit in your drift boat Mm -hmm. and and run plugs. You know, we didn't even get that. So it really changes the ability and opportunity to be mobile and uh, get some folks out there doing what it is they've probably been doing the majority of their life here as a resident of Washington mm-hmm. State. It's really pretty mm-hmm. sad. Um, I want to I want to break this down even further because the points of frustration um, that are there for those north coastal rivers, to me, pale in comparison to the frustration here in the south coast. Mm-hmm. It really does. And I'm not just saying that because it's in my backyard, but I'm saying it because we have conclusive numbers of of Hatchery still had to go after. Right. And we're not even given the opportunity to do so. And the answers that were provided, I get it all, be it, you know, somewhat political and and educational and in the direction the department has to go with that. Mm But I'm not happy with the answer nor the outcome, and a lot of other people are right. extremely frustrated. So I want to kind of take a look here at this uh, Chehalis basin, more so the Satsup, Wynucci, and Skukumchuk. Uh First, I want to take a look at the tributary, tributary performance over the past 25-plus years. I think that graph there is about 27 years in concurrence. The last three years that are circled is what I'm focused on, Tommy. You'll see in there, based on the color chart, that... Let's talk specifically about the Satsup and the Wianucci. Now, the Wianucci, uh has a really good abundance of hatchery steelhead year in and year out. They put a lot of offer, uh, effort into that, as well as the Summer Run program, which performed unbelievable this year, which would make you feel on the heels of a phenomenal coho return and a fantastic summer return, there's a glimmer of hope that we're going to see a decent amount of hatchery uh, uh, steelhead coming into the Wianucci this season. Um, The wild fish component of that's been holding status quo, dropped a little bit last year. The SATSUP, however, has been status quo for the last three years solid. And it has a a, uh, pretty good number of impact that it could afford if we were to go and fish that river going after the uh, hatchery fish, okay? We're talking about that 10% impact. What does that look like? Uh, the uh, the next slide is going to show you what that 10% factor looks like, all right? So when we talk about the Wianucci, um, your number is 39. What does that indicate? That's 10% of the overall impact.
0: Yeah, those we, are your impacts, yeah.
2: We could literally go fish the wainuchi for hatchery steelhead and encounter hook and land, handle and release 390 wild fish Right. before we hit that number 39 of the 10% mortality, which is exaggerated, mm-hmm. substantially, um, before we would have uh, an impact on that fishery uh, to the to, that would cause concern. Look at the Satsup. I just talked about the Satsup having a pretty robust, continuing last three years, pretty stable wild fish return. We could encounter 580 wild fish on the yes. Satsup, catch and release, 580. Now I can tell you this, for fishing that river for 35 years, you start seeing wild fish somewhere uh, maybe early February, definitely by mid-February. But mm-hmm. you know, we, we should have the opportunity to target those coho, if nothing else, all the way through December yeah. and not have any issues of impacting wild steelhead on the satsup. Right. We should also be able to fish from a boat for the entire month of December. Um, this all came down to answers uh, provided um, in the meeting the other night when I asked a question.
0: Yeah, and see, this is why you should be mad, right? Because what, what, what Dwayne's telling you is that there's enough fish that you can, you know, catch 390 or 580, depending on if you're in the Wainuchi or the Satsub, sat and then achieve your wild steelhead impact in route to catching all of your hatchery fish, plus your coho, Yeah. right? And then, you know, with the, the thing that got, that really kills me about this, you know you've been you've been fishing these rivers for years and years and years mm-hmm. and you know the timing of the runs yep. you know typically when those hatchery fish show up mm-hmm. you know when those wild fish show up when those coho are present and it is precluding a a prime portion of the season where the impacts would be just minuscule on those wild fish and you could get coho and your hatchery steelhead
2: 100% look the um the conservation concern, as it is, uh, is the upper Chehalis watershed. Okay, so, by right, I mean, close the Chehalis, don't allow fishing, work with the co-managers, minimize your gill net in- mm-hmm. impact, we're going to talk a little bit about numbers here in a minute. But that is the concern, that upper Chehalis watershed, getting those wild spawner escapement onto the gravel and some of those upper tributaries that you know that trickle into that upper watershed right mm-hmm. everybody would agree everybody in the mm-hmm. room would agree with that we are talking about tributaries of the chehalis that have hatchery production programs on them um the skookum last year 3800 steelhead hatchery steelhead that went to surplus mm-hmm. nobody had a day to fish for them. this year i will say conservatively i we're probably looking at 2500 Hatchery steelhead on the Satsup and Wainuchi. Now, the bios may tell me you're way off, but I'm just going to go with that number over mm-hmm. years of mm-hmm. recognizing, say, an average, right? A soft average. Right. We're going to have 2,500 fish on each river um, that we don't get to go after at a time when those those Wainuchi fish, those hatchery fish, are returning December, January. Those Satsup fish are returning. Historically, January into February, but I can tell you the last couple years, I found more hatchery fish in December on the satsup than I, and it really surprised mm-hmm. me. So I put more effort in over there, and it uh, it pays off. So we're looking at hatchery returns December, January, February. Those wild fish on that satsup start returning, you know, February, March into April. Man, yeah. we used to fish that thing into April mm-hmm. on the broodstock program. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal fishing, and uh, that's when you really start seeing a higher encounter rate of unmarked fish, right? Yeah. So. Um, the fact that they made these decisions that we don't get to go after these hatchery fish, we're surplusing all these hatchery fish. Mm-hmm. There's people watching this going, "Why are we putting money into these programs, and why are you putting all these hatchery fish in right. the rivers if right. we're not going after them?" Yeah. Um, what is uh, what is really I consider to be no opportunity in this Grays Harbor region, right? Not even for our coho. I asked these questions in the town hall. A lot, of, a lot of folks tuning in tonight that were tuned in that meeting heard me so, give those numbers and ask why are we putting those fish in if we can't go after them and more so why can't we go after them. It comes down to inability to come to agreement with the co-managers, the tribes, Um, and to that I ask why does the Quinault Nation care if they're going to net the lower river for their six days or whatever it is this season and they have a whack at them and they're actually you know they're early Mm -hmm. right it would be early December they're going to get primarily much like us they're going to encounter Coho, hatchery and wild coho, and they're Mm -hmm. gonna encounter some hatchery steelhead, early hatchery steelhead. The chances of them getting a wild steelhead is pretty nil. Mm -hmm. But my question is, why do they really concern themselves with our opportunity as recreational anglers in the upper tributaries of this basin, going after planted steelhead, Mm -hmm. which based on the Bolt decision, the the co-managers are entitled to 50% 50%. of all wild fish, uh when conducive to go after right Mm -hmm. and 50 percent of all fish produced by the state of washington
0: Mm -hmm.
2: okay so we're fishing on fish produced by the state of washington we're just trying to get our 50 Mm percent our lion's share this this hatchery programs have been there for years they give us opportunity it gives the state money to continue the programs because we continue to buy licenses and everything Mm -hmm. we need to do and Mm -hmm. uh, these fisheries sustained economy right now they just want to say no you can't do those fisheries you know why WDFW doesn't have the resources, the money, the personnel to document and count creel sample at the takeouts or sonar if they can ever get to there. In other words, Tommy, they're not able to count the fish coming out of the river or talk to you as an Mm -hmm. angler. What was your encounter rate today? How many wild fish did you release? Because we can't produce that information, which has never been requested before. And I'm not talking about the upper Chehalis encountering wild fish. I'm talking Mm -hmm. about tributaries far in a move, removed in a way that don't impact those wild Chehalis fish in that upper which, tributary.
0: Which is just asinine because you got the money to build the hatchery, but you don't have the money to check the anglers at the boat ramp. I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me.
2: I put this information on our Facebook page, buddy, and I also posted a video that uh, was an excerpt from a presentation WDFW did to the commissions. Uh, uh... the commission's uh... what's the name of oh, fish committee yeah the fish committee which is wrapping their head around this steelhead management mm-hmm. with the implementation of the new uh... coastal steelhead proviso a lot of language in there boring read for most of us uh... but it really is crafting the future of how they're mm-hmm. gonna manage coastal steelhead here in the state of washington both the north and south coast um, it's important to be up on that stuff and what the department is pushing to the fish committee and how they decide how they're going to manage Mm -hmm. this thing. Um, The reason for the video, and I want everybody to go to our Facebook page, if you haven't, uh, give us a like and follow, but more importantly, watch that video, it's about four (coughs) minutes. Um, Fish program director, uh, Kelly Cunningham, who I have the most respect for, went on record to say, hey, there is no, because uh, Jim Anderson, he asked about cutbacks in steelhead production. Mm -hmm. And Kelly Cunningham went on record to say, I just want to make this clear. There is no information in the proviso to limit or reduce or um, uh, a a reduction in hatchery steelhead production. That's not in the proviso, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's not part of the plan. So there's a lot of groups that keyed in on that, and me personally and whatnot, is like, oh, that's interesting. My phone blew up for a couple days, and folks are like, we would like to see the department put that language into the proviso, as in... Mm -hmm hey, there's no plans to reduce hatchery production uh, as far as we understand. And, and this is moving forward how we're going to manage that proviso. I just wanted to get that information out there. It all yep. kind of wraps in here on the information um, Kelly Cunningham gave me as far as an answer the other night, which I appreciated. Uh, but it comes down to lack of funding. Uh, right. With lack of funding, lack of creel sampling, and with lack of creel sampling, lack of agreement with the tribes, right. the co-managers, yeah. is where it's at. And,
0: and, it, and really, in any case, right, you got to ask the five whys, right? Yes, the first why. The first why is, well, we didn't have the funding, right? Right. Well, then you need to ask, well, well, why don't we have the funding for this, right? We know that we're going to have these hatchery steelhead. We know that we need to catch them, yeah. right, because we don't want them on the wild spawning beds. Correct. Right? Yep. And so Director Cunningham also said, well, hey, um, the money that is required to monitor the catch rates and the Creel reports was never put into that 2023 to 2025 legislative budget ask. Correct. And, and that's a huge miss, right? Yeah. And so, you know, here's the deal. Now they need to go ask for it in this next legislative session.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And if they don't get it, mm-hmm. right, and they're asking for $5.9 million. Yeah. It's not a It's not a small number. No,
2: it's a good chunk of if, change. If they
0: don't get it or they get a, a portion of it, potentially we may not be able to fish for these hatchery fish until 2025 or later.
2: Yeah, yeah. because oh. if the money's not there and if right. that's the hold up, if that's the hiccup right. and the cog in the wheel here is that we don't have the money to put boots on the ground or we can't put sonar in the rivers and we can't monitor factual mm-hmm. data, we can't recruit or uh, uh, ask of the recreational community to help us gather data because mm-hmm. uh, we have nobody to give that to. So as I expressed the other night, we're just on this hamster wheel, right? Mm -hmm. We knew last year the complete failures of the management and the inability to allow us to fish. What are the takeaways? What did we do to improve? Well, we went to Ledge Session. They got all kinds of money for creel sampling. You and I talked about Mm -hmm. it on this show for Mm -hmm. saltwater fisheries throughout Puget Sound. There's a huge increase in creel sampling, and most of you guys and gals, if you're fishing some of our uh, opportunities there in Puget Sound, you probably talked to a fish checker or two. Mm -hmm. I know I did all summer Mm -hmm. long. They were keeping on top of that stuff for a a big reason.
0: Yep. They
2: manage these fisheries based on quota.
0: Yes. In our saltwater fisheries. You know, and in our saltwater fisheries, we've really been noticing um, more real-time management, right? Yeah. Um, You know, being being shut down, being reopened, really evaluating the data, which I give, you know, WFW credit for. Yep. Um, But, you know, we've got a quota-based system in the saltwater, right? We do. We've got, we track. How many wild encounters did you have? Right. Exactly. Um, how many sublegal encounters did you have? We just right? talked
2: about that area 11 yep. in the black. Belt, exactly. Right? How many
0: hatchery fish have been have been retained? Right? right. And then that all gets calculated, thrown into the formula, and it determines when that season, how long it can go. Mm-hmm. Well, now it looks like we're going to take that that system, that operating method, and now we're going to apply it to the freshwater fisheries. Right. We're going to monitor. Um, These fisheries in the same manner in the same way uh, in order to allow us to fish right throughout the season
2: Yeah, in other words, we're taking this this ongoing real-time data model monitoring and we're gonna plug this into our terminal tributary fisheries Mm -hmm. And we're gonna gather intel. It's gonna give you Day-by-day week-by-week updates on how the runs performing over or under Mm -hmm. and what's our encounter rate on our wild fish? we might as well replace that with sublegal. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a, that's yeah. the rub, right? Mm-hmm. So we're now gonna take this ideology, and we're gonna plug it into these tributaries and these, these terminal fisheries. And uh, if you're a recreational angler, and I've thought about this multiple times, like what, what is the resolve or what does this create? So I feel like if I tell that fish checker, yeah, we got our four hatchery fish and we encountered three mm-hmm. wilds and let them go. And they document that and um
0: then the next a, angler walks up
2: and, and so right. you know rinse and repeat and everybody's giving yeah. them that information and then you get a small group that on social media starts saying hey idiots if you tell them that we're encountering all these wild fish <laughs> yeah they're going to shut us down right right but i can right. also tell you that if we get into say beginning of march yep. and you're on a system that historically has wild fish showing up and is <laughs> saying, saying nope hey nope, there's no wild fish they're going to go we're in trouble
0: yeah we need to shut it down we right now We need to shut
2: it down they're either really late or the ones yeah. that are going to eventually show up we need every single one of them to hit the gravel we cannot uh afford 10 percent mortality right so we're going to shut it down there's a there's no win here yeah you give them correct data it's going to work against us you give them false data it's going to work against mm-hmm. us if mm-hmm. it's a if it's an even playing field it's like you know, we can get those fisheries to go to a said calendar date that was recognized, mm-hmm. much like the salt. Unfortunately, usually gets the blackmouth fishery in Area 11 right now was supposed to go to December 31st. Right. It made it to December 1st based on 97 fish caught and 94, 97% of yep. the sublegals, yep. right? Yep. So it's a double edged sword. My biggest frustration of this whole thing, right, is we have co management. hmm. But we don't, we don't consider the method or the effort equally, and we don't impart uh, recognizing catch on an even yeah, basis.
0: Yes, right, right. You know, and the other problem I have, too, is with the mortality rate assumptions. I mean, you know, we've had um, you know our Oregon brothers come on and talk about the broodstock program sure. down there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and they're taking these wild fish out of the river systems. They're putting them in a tank on their boat. They're driving them down the river to a pen, you know, dropping them in the box, right? And they hang out in this little box and then they pull them and that's their broodstock program. Yeah. And you know what their mortality rate is? It's 2%.
2: Uh-huh.
0: What is our mortality rate? 10%, 10%. You know,
2: catch and release like right away back, right, the right
0: back into the water. I know we'll that
2: one is it, uh, still waiting for WDFW to truly generate statistical data that substantiates that 10% mortality rate mm-hmm. because it's extremely high getting back real quickly before we get out of here on this topic my frustration with the way we look at impact okay yeah so historically the co-managers fish on a calendar mm-hmm. <clears throat> whether it's number of days per week or a targeted date <clears throat> on a certain month mm-hmm. okay historically here in the Grays harbor region um we have seen where they would put in and conduct their fishery, agreed to fishery, right, everybody working mm-hmm. together and trying mm-hmm. to sustain and, and get as many days on the water as everybody wants on both sides of the table. I get that. Mm-hmm. We, want, we want our side, right? right. So <clears throat> you can't fault them for saying this is our numbers, this is what it shows, this is what we're going to go do. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the date on the calendar, whether the preseason forecast is right or wrong or right on the head, and if they're not catching as many fish as they should be, well the run's underperforming. But we're gonna keep mm. fishing because maybe they're just here late. Right. We're catching an abundance of fish. The run's overperforming, preseason forecast. We're gonna keep on fishing because there's just a lot of fish. Right. Right. Okay. And we're gonna fish until that date, right? It's frustrating because this year the impact number is 198. Yeah. Why can we not come to the table? Co-managers and WDFW, both recognize each side the impacts 198 fish. Mm-hmm. Tommy, you use whatever method you want to employ or deploy, and when you hit 198, you're done fishing. We're right. like, cool. Right. Well, my method is recreational angling, catch and release, and uh, that's going to probably get me on through till. Who knows? Yep. Maybe all the way to February, maybe mm-hmm. March. Right mm-hmm. now, I'm going to put a uh, I'm going to put a commercial gill net in the river because we're going to get coho, we're going to get early hatchery returns, mm-hmm. and eventually we're going to start having the impact on the wild fish. And when we hit 198 fish, we're done fishing. are done. Might yeah, be the it's end of January. Simple. Might be January 10th. The calendar agreed to fisheries said April 15th. Yep. But the impact was achieved early on in the in mm-hmm. the in the opportunity. So there you go. The good news is you got. The coho. You got the excess hatchery coho. You got some of the early retiring hatchery steelhead, which helps everybody out because the last thing we want is a bunch Mm -hmm. of hatchery steelhead hitting the gravel. Right. And the fact that we're not fishing for them, the wild fish folks are just sitting back drooling right now. That's right. Looking at it from a point of oh my god, Mm -hmm. as soon as we get a really high percentage of these strays getting onto the gravel, we can Mm -hmm. prove that. Boy, oh boy. Good thing we got a lot of money because we're going to sue Washington State. We're going to go after WDFW. We're going to shut down yeah. their hatchery program. Yeah, you're just giving them their case right now. hundred percent. That's right. Right? So yep. there are more legs to this thing that spawn off of the fact, and mm-hmm. no pun intended, uh, with the inability of us to have opportunity to go after fish when mm-hmm. we rightly you know, should do so. So just some points you and I in discussion had uh, thought we should bring out tonight. I I would hope folks are kind of thinking the same thing. What can we do? Moving forward, well, I'm not exactly sure. Some folks are getting on social media at this point, talking about perhaps fish-ins, getting some more media involved. Really uncork this thing and let folks know what's going on in the state of Washington. Because I know a WDFW and staff, James Losey and everybody, Kelly Cunningham, you guys are working tirelessly. I know you're up against it with the co-managers. The negotiations cannot be fun. I don't know how you guys sleep at night. But I really think there's more that can be done. Mm-hmm. And if it's a financial thing, I can tell you this much, this next week I'm on the phone with legislators that I know, and I'm calling to say, is there an opportunity here? Do, will you guys, uh, you know, get, get a hold of your constituents and, and start working this thing mm-hmm. out? Is there going to be money available? If that's what it's going to take, money in the pockets to put the persons on the ground to give us opportunity to help collect data, then let's yeah. do it because I want to get back to steelhead fishing dam in this state. You, you I'm know,
0: tired or of it. or at least like review the entire budget and determine if a reallocation is appropriate. Now
2: that's another okay. good call. Absolutely. You know,
0: or understand if you're if you're underutilizing the budget that's been allocated in certain areas. Yep. And you know, redirecting that budget to the monitoring for these river systems. Hundred percent. Right? There's a lot of things you can do.
2: Folks are asking what you can do. Um, uh, Norm a chaplain, what can anglers do? Just that, uh, contact your local representatives. And your state legislators and get in their ear if you can get time with them or get them on the phone send them emails uh, as we roll into 2023 budget uh, session wdfw is going to be asking for a lot of money now look last year on the heels of last year tommy the lead session came out i was blown away with some of the monies wdfw was finally given in their budget mm-hmm. um, i would like to see that yeah. duplicated again i would like to see them be given a uh, decent amount of money to handle some of the areas they are uh, concerned about and and monies that they need um, if they get the money and we don't see these programs get implemented, then there's going to be some serious madness going on. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, yeah. I think people would I literally agree. try to figure out how to strike up lawsuits yeah. because this I, is out of control.
0: I like Zach's uh, recommendation uh, in the comments, and he effectively just kind of summarizing his comment. You know, why don't you make a volunteer program, right? And, yes. then, and then have, you know, have one director of that volunteer group for a given river system, uh-huh. right? Yep. And, and that person is responsible for coaching, teaching, managing, and executing on the statement of work that is krill monitoring, right?
2: There are um, organizations that would be more than willing to absolutely. do that. I mean, Puget Sound Anglers Group is tremendous, huge, mm-hmm. and would, would put in their time yep. to stand at boat ramps all day and count fish. Yep. Uh, a good buddy of mine who's an enforcement uh, here in the state... Uh, reminding me that um, master hunters in the state of Washington That's right. have a certain amount yep. of community service time they have to do every yep, year. You do. can put those folks at specified boat ramps to collect data. Yep. It's not that it has to come out of the pocketbooks of WDFW all the That's time. Right. They yeah. just need to ask for the help. Exactly. You know, And yeah. not December 1st. They need to ask for right. help in September. Right. Let's right? think
0: proactively, yeah, not absolutely. reactively. All right. yep.
2: uh, we do have uh, a couple more bits of information to get through. We want to get you guys... Uh, up to speed on what's going on with the commission, how the time critical nature of this as we move towards the end of this year and what that looks like moving forward. So we're gonna run a little late tonight, uh, but some good information nonetheless about the commission. Jump out for a quick break, we come back, we'll be talking about the commission right here, Fish on Northwest.
0: A Northwest favorite for almost 40 years, Arima boats are manufactured with pride in Bremerton, Washington. All ARIMA boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why ARIMA boats are backed with a lifetime warranty. ARIMA can offer every boat with Honda outboard packages so that you can take advantage of the reliability and five-year top-to-prop warranty from your Honda outboard. Call or stop by ARIMA boats today and let them help you get
2: into your very next boat. All right. Welcome back here in the studio to Wendling Tommy Donlin. I hope you enjoyed that uh, last little bit of, wasn't, you know, it wasn't, too much of a rant no it was it was put well, you, it out there you got to make
0: people aware of what's going on here you do you, know? you do now look some yeah. of
2: this are the opinions of you and i yeah. But a lot of it's garnered from reading into what's going on and paying attention mm-hmm. to what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a valid point. So appreciate everybody's comments on here, uh, lots of comments tonight and I will uh, later tonight after the show get on here and try to uh, get back on top of some of these here and, and provide you guys answers and keep the conversation going. Really appreciate mm-hmm. it. Uh, uh, Tommy, so we've we've kind of alluded to the current makeup of our Fish and Wildlife Commission um, here tonight a couple times. and. You know, they just keep rearing their head because things come up. Once again, they uh, had a meeting, voted on the spring bear for 2023, mm-hmm. killed it, done yeah. deal, not happening. We knew that was going to happen. We yep. knew when they were going to bury it in policy and rewriting policy and all right. these things. They, they went as far as in the previous couple of meetings to tell WDFW, don't even come to us in the in the winter or late fall to talk about spring bear in 23 because we're not. Right. We
0: don't know what the policy is. We don't know what
2: the policy is. Right. We're not doing it. Yep. Um, so... Let's kind of break it down for folks that don't know. You and I have become familiar with the names of these these <laughs> cats on this uh, panel,
3: yeah.
2: uh, especially the more recent uh, four who have been appointed. Mm-hmm. The current chair, they're in the they're in the the House of Five. We got four staples that you and I tip our cap
0: to. We do, we do. And so let's just run down the four, um, you know, supporters of the outdoors, of being a sportsman or woman, um, just loving what we do on the water and in the fields and in the hills. Um, So these have been, you know, the proponents day in and day out and 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 you know, not just for you know Those looking um, you know to hunter fish, but also for for wildlife, right? It's a conservation model So these are the four that have promoted that uh, conservation model so um, Don McIsaac uh, Dr. Kim Thornburn Mm -hmm. Molly Linville and then Jim Anderson. Yeah, those are the four that have really supported both uh, You know wildlife and uh, the hunter fisher.
2: Yeah, 100% now Barbara Baker is the current chair. A um, little history on a few of these folks, Tommy, just timeline-wise, which I think is key here to understand when they've been mm-hmm. appointed to the commission and when we've seen this this transitional shift, right? Mm-hmm. Barbara, she's been on there since '17, and her term is up here in '22. She's currently the chair. She totes the line with the uh, with the mindset of where this state is headed. I'm pretty sure she's already led know that she would like to be reappointed and she would like to retain her chair and i have a high uh, assumption she will will get that position back mm-hmm. um uh, lorna smith was appointed in 21 uh, john Lemcole was appointed in 22 tim reagan was appointed in 22 uh, january of and uh, uh melanie Rowland was appointed in january of 22 so these junior Mm -hmm. These four, very junior, and you remember uh, Fred Kuntz was also appointed at the same time. Yeah,
0: he was one of the zookeepers. He was one of the zookeepers
2: with Lorna Smith, um, January of 21, and he Mm -hmm. resigned in uh, less than a year, just over a year. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter. Those four getting on the Fish and Wildlife Commission here in Washington State, under the guidance of uh, Barbara Baker, chair, Mm -hmm. makes up the five anti-hunting fishing. It does. Yep. That, is, that is how the commission is separated right now, four to five. Um, the, the, uh, the thing that's coming up here you guys need to be aware of, we have three of the seats coming up for reappointment. Mm-hmm. As I already mentioned, Barbara Baker is probably going to submit if she hasn't already done so and will probably be put back in the position of chair. That's right. Okay. Um, Don McIsaac, who has been a strong ally advocate for us for a mm-hmm. long time, both in hunting and fishing, has said, I'm done. Right. <laughs> I don't blame him. Uh, I hate to see him go because I have a lot of confidence. I mean, he took his commission to task in one of the meetings I was watching. It was impressive, right? Mm-hmm. He basically called them all out, the, the, the five antis. He was, he was not having it, okay? So hats right. off to him. But he's already submitted his letter to, to Inslee that he is not interested in a reappointment. Mm-hmm. Now, Dr. Kim Thornburn has indicated she would like to be reappointed. Mm-hmm. Now tip my cap to her as well, she's gone on record as of late, multiple articles, been quoted in multiple articles, she's not aligning herself with some of the antics coming out of this mm-hmm. commission, she's not in favor or support some of the ideologies and the direction they want to take this thing, especially, she is definitely not one to be influenced by these outside agencies, mm-hmm. right? She's not having it. I, I receive word that she would like to retain her seat. Now, if you're Upstairs, looking down, thinking, how am I going to align my minions and my commission? Right. And Dr. Kim Thornburn doesn't exactly fit my model.
0: Right. He's going to go, you're out.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. not reappointing you. If she if she gets yep. back in, it's because it's already weighted to the one side. Too second. heavily, yeah, right. Right. Who so are some we, of these other yeah. folks?
0: And we pretty much know that... You know, Barbara Baker, right, she's going to be re-upped. Yeah. And so you don't really have the three positions. You've got really two. Two. That's right? a good point. And there's been 49 people that have put their name forward uh, in the hat to be considered for these these positions, really these two positions. I don't right?
2: think I've ever heard of so many people putting in or vying for a position on the Fish right, and a Commission. Right, for commission. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. I think they're being directed. Right, I'm guessing. I'm guessing a good majority of them have <laughs> been directed from Baker Ensley, That's my guess. But uh, and some
2: of these other groups. That's right. Some of these outside right. groups having influence right. on these people to say, right. "We want you to put your name in." Yep. Because we know we can talk to you. We right. have your ear. Think about yep. that.
0: And we just we, we do know a couple of the names though that are on this list. Um you know one, Ron Warren.
2: So Andy Walgamot put that article out, by the yeah. way. Thank you. Uh he had listed forty eight, but uh truly forty nine, uh Ron Warren is uh there's an indication that he is putting his name in for a seat on the commission. He Currently he's been employed by WDFW forever. I used to work with Ron when I was on the advisory committee down here in Grays Harbor, region six director. He is, uh, now I think he still currently holds director of fish policy with Mm -hmm. WDFW. And you know, the nice thing about Ron is he has years of knowledge in sitting at the table with the co-managers, in negotiating with the tribes and working on our agreed to fisheries and just having that relationship, which I Mm -hmm. think is huge, right? Especially up at the commission level. Um, I think, I think uh, Ron, Seated on the commission is a win for recreational hunting and fishing, hands down.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think so, too. I mean, uh, you know, another friend of ours, Brian Blake, who we've had in the studio on yes. the show, yep. um, you know, talking a number of times, um, not only about hunting and fishing, but also um, gun legislation yes. as well. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, because he's he's pro 2 a which, um, you know, obviously we are here. Yep. But, you know, that's that's something that I think Inslee's going to have a hard time choking down probably Barbara Baker as well. But uh, if you remember, Brian was uh, former chair of State of House of Representatives, mm-hmm. uh, Natural Resources and Head Committee. So, yep. you know, he's he's not new to this scheme, this dynamic at all. But he would be really good uh, on the commission to help provide the balance. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Huge ally for us. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, last time he ran last year, we had him here in the studio mm-hmm. talking mm-hmm. about some of the things he would like to see. Come from the commission. His vision is fantastic. It is, you know, and we rib him because you know historically, obviously, Democrat as he sat on as a (laughs) as a representative. And you asked him, "Why are you a Democrat? You're, you know, two way and just everything you stand (laughs) for." And you know, it's a great conversation. Love having him here for dinner. Would love to see him land on the commission, but he's made it perfectly Mm -hmm. clear that he doesn't tote that line. So chances are pretty slim. Unfortunately, you know. And uh, Brian had said it earlier in the show, uh, Brian Lynn. Uh, Until we get a change in the governor's seat, somebody that can, Mm -hmm. even if they don't hunt and fish, or even if they're, you know, another another Democrat lands in there, at least if they're not absolutely opposed to it, right? And they don't stack the deck with the commission, Mm -hmm. and they don't do these things that really hinder the ability of Washington State to be all that it can be. Yeah, you know, that's the type of governor
0: we need. It's that, and it's just it's just understanding facts and data, right? Like put your put your political beliefs aside don't cater to emotions and just look at the facts and data and it will lead you to the right answer
2: absolutely every time so um there's uh there's a few other folks that have put their names in Uh, Don McBride, he's a member of coastal conservation association cca uh you know he heads up the king of the reach Mm -hmm. uh annual derby over there on the east side you know he's he's obviously pro hatchery pro Mm -hmm. fishing pro uh pro opportunity so those are the kinds of folks you want to see get in there right
0: yeah 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 um there's a lot of others on on the list as well. But, you know, what was interesting is um, the spokesman reviews, you know, the governor's office. What did Inslee say? He said,
3: oh, he fine. said,
0: uh, yeah, we're looking for candidates who understand fish and wildlife issues, fine. including the increasing responsibilities facing the agency. Mm-hmm. I, and I just I, I find this like almost hilarious to read this right Um, Because it's something that you think, oh, yeah, you listen to it. Oh, that sounds good, right? Yeah, that's that's what we want to do, right? Uh And then you think about Fred Koontz and Lorna Smith, right? And their background and their lack of knowledge around wildlife and, and their background in zoo management and their background in predators, right? And then you watch some of the interactions that they've had in their own commission meetings. And the one that comes to mind is is the Blues Mountain elk, right? 100%. Talking about the objective being, you know, over 6,000. And then literally asking the question, the stupid question, well, why, you know, yeah, we understand that the objective is somewhere in the neighborhood of 3,600 currently. Or the, not the objective, but the actual, you know, population. Yeah. And then they call her those, you know, 104 calves. And... 77% of them were killed by predators. Right. right. And the stupid question was, well, why does the objective have to be so high? Like, well, why don't you just let the predators kill the elk? What's yeah. wrong with that? And why right? don't we lower the ceiling? That's the, you know, and, and pretty soon you're not going to have yep. a blues mountain elk population. Yep. Right. And so to hear some, you know, to see Inslee say something like this, like, Oh yeah, somebody that understands fish and wildlife issues. When in fact the recent appointees to the commission don't have a clue in that wide, diverse range of, uh-huh. of fish and wildlife issues, it just, you know, it's just a false statement, right? It's well, just it goes on off.
2: further than that. The governor is seeking applicants that are open minded. Right. That, that's a quote. Yeah. Yeah. From the governor's office seeking right. persons, applicants who are open minded, willing to seek compromise. Mm-hmm. I saw no compromise Zero. in the bear debacle for right. two years now. Yep. I, so much of a slap in the face mm-hmm. to just disregard science. You want mm-hmm. to talk about compromise? Mm hmm. We're bringing you solid science. Uh, Director Susswin went on record to say, my staff is on point here. Mm-hmm. Their information and science is sound, and you're dismissing right. it. Compromise is a word not in their vocabulary, right? right? Have an even temperament and demeanor, and will demonstrate respect and professionalism to other commissioners and the public. Right. That's, that's that's some of the quotes coming out of this. And to, to me,
0: to dismiss the data that... You know, WFW is bringing forward, the scientists and the biologists within WFW is bringing forward, especially around the, the the spring bear hunt or just, you know, bears in general, and just to dismiss it, right, and say, oh, no, 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 um, don't even bring it to me, right? Yeah. We've got to consider the policy, right? That's disrespect, and that's right. a lack of professionalism. It's just the opposite. So. And
2: you know what it means when they say we got to consider the policy or we don't understand the policy or we need to rewrite right. the policy? Right. That's that's just fluff for saying, we're not paying attention to the science because we got a right. whole lot of people out here on this this heavy metropolitan right. area corridor here that we're catering to, yeah. because they're in our ear mm-hmm. and they they carry a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. Well, no, they don't because they don't hunt or fish. Right, right. Persons who don't buy a hunting and fishing license yeah. shouldn't have the ability to bend anybody's ear.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I've, I've made it a point before. I don't go over there and tell the you know greenskeeper how to keep the green for the golfers. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's not my world, right? <laughs> I have nothing to say yep. about that. So. Um, it's obvious it's one-sided yeah the fear here is look we can get a ron warren we can get a we get a uh a, a, a brian blake appointed and barbara baker would retain her spot and we're still six to three yeah we're, yeah. we're still six to three
0: absolutely and you yeah. know
2: so that is um that is going to hurt it's going to sting for a bit um we're not going to get a change until we get a change at the governor's office a couple years ago mm-hmm. we had a gentleman in this very studio uh who campaigned all around the state thought he had a decent shot at doing it was going to realign the way the state was running the fishing and hunting was going to hold the commission accountable mm. um that individual would have appointed far different people right to our current commission yep. and for all those that were weighing in on our show saying why are you talking politics And the governor has no say in the future of fishing Mm -hmm. and hunting in Washington Mm -hmm. State. I'm here to tell you, you look at the dates of those appointed in the last two years, and who's sitting in that governor's seat the last two years, Mm -hmm. and look at what's happening to our fishing and hunting. That's right. So, you got to take that for what it's worth. I'm here to tell you guys, yeah, we fish and we hunt. We like to get away from politics and enjoy the outdoors. But there ain't no outdoors to enjoy if you don't get a little That's bit right. involved in politics, mm-hmm. I'm sorry to say. So, uh, okay, we are going to jump out for a quick break, Tommy. We come back. We are going to close out this show. Don't go anywhere. A couple minutes, we'll be back right here at Fishing Northwest.
0: All Defiance boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why all boats are backed with a lifetime warranty. All Defiance boats come standard with large fish boxes that are fully insulated so that you can ice your fish properly all day. All Defiance boats are foam flotation filled and unsinkable for the ultimate in safety while fishing offshore. Before you buy any boat, stop by or call Defiance Boats today to ensure you are getting the very best glass boat your money can buy
2: all right welcome back here in studios we wind it down a uh, great dialogue there Thomas absolutely yeah uh, for everybody chiming in here appreciate all the points of reference in the comments keep them pouring in uh, I will and Tommy will we will go in afterwards and try to make some uh, answers on some of this stuff a lot a of, lot of valuable information mm. here and the only way to to uh, move forward is to have these discussions get educated and help uh, you know mm. get this this massive machine uh, more knowledgeable so um, a few points to make before we get on out of here, um, there was a, uh, a couple of emails getting passed around, Tommy, on a successful gillnet buyback program. Remember last year when we talked about money's coming out of the legislature, they had allocated $14.4 million mm-hmm. for Columbia River license, current license, active license being held um, for gillnet buyback, and it looks like upwards of 169 total non-tribal gillnets were purchased through that program. Um, as I read through the article, if I remember right. Do you know if they were
0: active or non-active?
2: So there was like 40-something of them that were not active. The ones they purchased were all currently active or had fished in the last oh, you know, few years. There's two standouts, and I can't remember if those were active or non-active, but there's two that uh, were not purchased back. But as far as an overwhelm, I mean it's like an 85% or something, 90% mm-hmm. buyback of those. Now, a lot of these uh, commercial guys and gals, they hold licenses in Columbia, Willapa, Grayson, sure, whatever, right? Sure. So multiple licenses, and um, this is predominantly was focused on the main, main stand, stand of the Columbia. Columbia River, mm-hmm. um, to buy back gill out of Washington State, and they're very successful in doing so with uh, with a lot of monies landing in the hands of those commercial uh, folks. Yeah, Which, you look at the last several years and the the minimal opportunity they've had, <clears throat> the number of years spent trying to realign the, the you know, the rules and regulations that govern mm-hmm. their opportunity or lack thereof at times, mm-hmm. and how constrained they were because of bad, you know, returns of wild steelhead on the east side, sure. all those things. Yeah, some of them finally just are like, I'm done. I'm yeah, done with this Columbia it. River. Yeah, right? you know,
0: what? and I think you know some of that funding was to go to, um, you know folks that would go on board the vessels to document and understand impact to wild fish runs, right? Yeah. Monitoring. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to see, you know, what we hear from that. I I am surprised to see that many people, you know, give their license back, um, for funding. What I'm kind of, you know, I guess questioning is, you know you got that quota does that mean you're just going to have a, a fewer number of boats going out and still still getting that quota yeah, as we can talked they about before, yeah. can they get the quota yeah, and I then don't know. you know what does that mean if if it's determined that those gill netters cannot um, you know obtain their quota during that season does that allocation then get given to the sport fishermen right because mm-hmm. we all know we got to get those hatchery fish right we do and so it makes sense to me that if you know why not have the more the more selective gear choice, mm-hmm. right? Which is us, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Lower mortality rate yep. and and very controlled. Have us assume, you know, some of that take in sure. order to make sure those hatchery fish don't reach the grounds.
2: I agree. And if for anybody that says, "Well, the recreational community can't possibly catch that many fish," what was our percentage of take on the mm-hmm. Thule's in the Lower Columbia? Mm-hmm. I mean, we exceeded by two hundred percent, given the opportunity, a number of days on the water, and days per week, and a long enough right. season.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, well, let me do it in the ocean, too. That's fine, too.
2: Yeah, it's, you know, we can we grab <laughs> in the ocean, too. So, uh, you know, we've been we've been busy. We've been out of studio. Mm-hmm. Um, glad to be back in studio and yeah. starting to get on top of a number of these topics. You know, this is that time of year, Tommy, we find ourselves kind of shifting from uh, a lot of the on the water and in the woods content that we're mm-hmm. out there creating. And we shift back into mode of. And we can't help it. This is the stuff that Mm -hmm. fills our inbox. This is the stuff that is going on. This is Mm -hmm. the stuff that, uh, as we move forward, keeps us off the water out of the woods, as I Mm -hmm. like to say. Mm -hmm. And so, look, just around the corner, we're gonna be into 2023. We're gonna have uh, North of Falcon process coming up sooner than later. And we're gonna continue to stay on top of this stuff. We're gonna have ledge session here in February. Mm -hmm. Um, Budgets are gonna be talked about. And this is the information that we will continue to talk about and discuss um moving forward because you know let's face it we we have limited opportunity on some of our waters and Mm -hmm. you know it's it's got me thinking well weather windows hooking up the boat heading to the east side Mm-hmm. some of those fish yeah we're forward to that. so forward fond of right yep. um and bringing that content we do have some steelhead opportunities in the future albeit we got to drive three hours versus 20 minutes mm-hmm. it is what it is um it is not all doom and gloom we have our hunting trip coming up here in a couple weeks with ross outdoor adventures if uh, you haven't jumped on and checked that out make sure you do we got a couple spots left i'm going to get over there and hunt on the east side with shelby for a couple days december 12th mm-hmm. 13th and 14th the day of ducks day of geese Gonna be fantastic. So we've got um, squid
0: in the sound, we've got crab in the sound. We do have squid yeah. in the sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was down at the morning's pier the other day and they are they were railing them early, right? early in the morning though. Yep.
2: Okay, squid, crab, mm-hmm. steelhead, east side fisheries when the snow and the passes are clear. Mm-hmm. Um, winter blackmouth is just around the corner. Yeah. And waterfowl. So no yeah. shortage. No shortage. Appreciate everybody signing on tonight. Had a great time, lots of content to get through. As we do each and every week, we got a couple more shows, and then we're going to wrap it up for the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I expect to see you here next week. Yep, we're going to we're going to un- unpack a whole bunch of more you know content, and information that comes out during the week. Stay tuned because WDFW just keeps it flowing. <laughs> it makes <laughs> it pretty easy. All right, everybody, appreciate it. Had a great time. We will see you next Thursday right here at six p.m. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish on Northwest Weekly Podcast. I want to remind everyone and you can catch our weekly live stream show on our Facebook page and, of course, our YouTube channel every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. West Coast time. You'll get our insightful in-studio interviews, our extremely detailed how-to segments in the Bait Lab, the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods, and, of course, our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host Sherry England and Chef Jeff Maxfield. Give us a follow on our Facebook page at Fish Hunt Northwest, also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW, find us on Twitter and Instagram, and finally, go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon.